It's the 14th day of January. Let's read the Bible. Hello, folks. My name is Ray Pritchard. Welcome back to our journey through the Bible. We're starting in Genesis. By God's grace, we're going to go all the way to the book of Revelation. It's early days, but already we're getting near the end of the book of Genesis. And today, two chapters, Genesis 41 and 42. Think of all that we've already covered the creation, the fall, the flood, Noah and the ark, the tower of Babel. We've covered the call of Abraham. We've covered the offering of Isaac. We've talked about Isaac, Isaac and Rebekah, and then Jacob and Esau. And now, now we've got Joseph. He is in prison in the land of Egypt. A more hopeless situation could hardly be imagined. So today, two chapters, just a reminder before we start. Please be sure to download the reading guide from keepbelieving.com and tell a friend. Let's get our friends and neighbors and family members on the Bible bus. Don't worry. You know, all these videos, they are, you can always watch them later on my personal Facebook page, the Keep Believing Facebook page, on the Keep Believing YouTube channel, on the Keep Believing website, and brand new, uh, there's a video platform called Rumble, and we now have a Keep Believing chap, uh, channel on Rumble. So there's a lot of different ways. And if you invite your friends uh, to join now, they can pick up now and go back if they want to and watch all the videos leading up to this point. And we're posting all the videos. We hope that they are there for years to come. Okay. Genesis 41. Verse one says at the end of two years, I just want to say two years, a long time, a long time to be innocent, wrongly accused and completely forgotten his brothers and his dad up in the land of Canaan. They think he's dead. They have no idea he's still alive. He's in prison. Yes, God's hand is with him. He's in prison. But the cupbearer who got out, just as Joseph said, he's forgotten him. A more hopeless situation could hardly be imagined but God. We now begin to read. Genesis 41, at the end of two years, Pharaoh had a dream He was standing beside the Nile when seven healthy-looking, well-fed cows came up from the Nile and began to graze among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, sickly and thin, came up from the Nile and stood beside those cows along the banks of the Nile. The sickly, thin cows ate the healthy, well-fed cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep and dreamed a second time. Seven heads of grain, plump and good, came up on one stalk. After them, seven heads of grain, thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven plump, full ones. Then Pharaoh woke up, and it was only a dream. When morning came, he was troubled. So he summoned all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I remember my faults. Pharaoh was angry with his servants, and he put me and the chief baker in the custody of the captain of the guards. He and I had dreams on the same night. Each dream had its own meeting. Now a young Hebrew, a slave of the captain of the guards, was with us there. We told him our dreams. He interpreted our dreams for us, and each had its own interpretation. It turned out just the way he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position while the other man was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent for Joseph. And they quickly brought him from the dungeon. He shaved, changed his clothes, and went to Pharaoh. 
Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said about you that you can hear a dream and interpret it. I am not able to, Joseph answered. Pharaoh, it is God who will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile when seven well-fed, healthy-looking cows came up from the Nile and grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, weak, very sickly, and thin, came up. I've never seen such sickly ones as these in all the land of Egypt. Then the thin, sickly cows ate the first seven well-fed cows. When they had devoured them, you could not tell that they had devoured them. Their appearance was as bad as it had been before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I also saw seven heads of grain, full and good, coming up on one stalk. After them, seven heads of grain withered, thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up. The thin heads of grain swallowed the seven good ones. I told this to the magicians, but no one can tell me what it means. And then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. And the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams mean the same thing. The seven thin, sickly cows that came up after them are seven years. And the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind are seven years of famine. It is just as I told Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt. After them, seven years of famine will take place and all the abundance in the land of Egypt will be forgotten. The famine will devastate the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered because of the famine that follows it, for the famine will be very severe. Since the dream was given twice to Pharaoh, it means that the matter has been determined by God, and he will carry it out soon. So now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint overseers over the land and take a fifth of the harvest of the land of the land of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. Let them gather all the excess food during these good years that are coming. Under Pharaoh's authority, store the grain in the cities so that they may preserve it as food. The food will be a reserve for the land during the seven years of famine that will take place in the land of Egypt. Then the country will not be wiped out by the famine. The proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And he said to them, can we find anyone like this, a man who has God's spirit in him? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there's no one as discerning and wise as you are. You will be over my house and all my people will obey your commands. Only I as king will be greater than you. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, see, I am placing you over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, clothed him with fine linen garments, and placed a gold chain around his neck. He had Joseph ride in his second chariot, and servants called out before him, Make way! So he placed him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and no one will be able to raise his hand or foot in all of Egypt or all the land of Egypt without your permission. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name zaphonath paneah and gave him a wife, Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest at On. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Joseph left Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout the land of Egypt. 
During the seven years of abundance, the land produced abundant harvest. Joseph gathered all the excess food in the land of Egypt during the seven years, and he put it in the cities. He put food in every city from the fields around it. So Joseph stored up grain in such abundance like the sand of the sea that he stopped measuring it because it was beyond measure. Two sons were born to Joseph before the years of famine arrived. Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest at On, bore them to him. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh and said, God has made me forget all my hardship in my whole family. And the second son he named Ephraim, Ephraim and said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Then the seven years of abundance in the land of Egypt came to an end and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in every land, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. When the whole land of Egypt was stricken with famine, the people cried out to Pharaoh for food. Pharaoh told all Egypt, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. Now the famine had spread across the whole region. So Joseph opened up all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Every land came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain for the famine was severe in every land. You know, there's a lot of dreams. You notice this? There's a lot of dreams in the book of Genesis. God would speak to people through dreams. And in the beginning of the Joseph story, Joseph had dreams. And then, you know, and then, then uh, the, the cupbearer had a dream and the baker had a dream and Pharaoh had a dream. God knows how to speak. People say to me, Pastor Ray, can God speak today? Well, first of all, he already has spoken through his word. His word, his word is his speaking. You want to know what God says? Read the Bible. That's why we're reading it through this year. But people say, can God speak to me today? Sure. He's got your number on speed dial. He can ring your phone any time of the day or night. And when he calls, you won't put him on call waiting either. So I find great encouragement here. Our God is able to get through to, uh, to, to a pagan ruler like the Pharaoh of Egypt. And think about this. They throw Joseph in prison. He's sent down to Egypt. He's purchased by Potiphar. Hand of God is with him. He's falsely accused. They throw him in prison. Hand of God is with him and he rises. He apparently is forgotten in prison. And then uh, Pharaoh has a dream and here comes Joseph and he gives the interpretation and he's named second in command and he rises in power. When the hand of God is on you, when the blessing of God is with you, uh, God is going to take care of you. He's going to open the right doors, the right time, in the right way. Have I mentioned this before? Even when nothing in life makes sense, God has a plan. When we don't have a clue, God knows exactly what he is doing. So this is wonderful, but we're not quite to the end of this now. Here's what we've got. we got a famine going on here. All over the region, Canaan's up there and Egypt is here. Famine's all over the Middle East. This is where the story's about to get interesting. Because just remember, before we read this, Jacob and the boys, Joseph's brothers back there in Canaan, they think he's dead. They don't have a clue what's about to happen. Chapter 42, look what God does. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you keep looking at each other? Listen, he went on. I have heard there was grain in Egypt. 
Go down there and buy some for us so that we will live and not die. So 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin, that's the youngest one, with his brothers, for he thought something might happen to him. The sons of Israel were among those who came to buy grain, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. Joseph was in charge of the country. He sold grain to all its people. His brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? He asked. From the land of Canaan to buy food, they replied. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him. Joseph remembered his dreams about them and said, you are spies. You've come to see the weakness of the land. No, my Lord, your servants have come to buy food. They said, we are all sons of one man. We are honest. Your servants are not spies. No, he said to them, you have come to see the weakness of the land. But they replied, we are servants. We're 12 brothers, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father and one is no longer living. Then Joseph spoke to them, I have spoken. You are spies. This is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place until your youngest brother comes here. Send one from among you to get your brother. The rest of you will be in prison so that your word can be tested to see if they are true. If they are not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. So Joseph imprisoned them together for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, I fear God. Do this and you will live. If you are honest, let one of you be confined to the guardhouse while the rest of you go and take grain to relieve the hunger of your household. Bring your youngest brother to me so that your words can be confirmed. Then you won't die. And they consented to this. Then they said to each other, obviously, we are being punished for what we did to our brother. We saw his deep distress when he pleaded with us, but we would not listen. That is why this trouble has come to us. But Reuben replied, did I not tell you not to harm the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must account for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph understood them. Since there was an interpreter between them, he turned away from them and wept. When he turned back and spoke to them, he took Simeon from them and had him bound before their eyes. Joseph then gave orders to fill their containers with grain, return each man's silver to his sack, and give them provisions for their journey. This order was carried out. They loaded the grain on their donkeys and left there. At the place where they lodged for the night, one of them opened his sack to get feed for his donkey, and he saw his silver there at the top of his bag. He said to his brothers, My silver has been returned. It's here in my bag. Their hearts sank. Trembling, they turned to one another and said, What has God done to us? When they reached their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them. The man, who was in, the man who is the Lord of the country spoke harshly to us and accused us of spying on the country. But we told him, we are honest and not spies. We were 12 brothers, sons of the same father. One is no longer living and the youngest is now with our father in the land of Canaan. The man who is the Lord of the country said to us, this is how I will know if you were honest. Leave one brother with me, take food to relieve the hunger of your households and go Bring back your youngest brother to me, and I will know that you are not spies but honest men. I will then give your brother back to you, and you can trade in the country. As they began emptying their sacks, there in each man's sack was his bag of silver. 
When they and their father saw the bags of silver, they were afraid. Their father Jacob said to them, it's me that you make childless. Joseph is gone and Simeon is gone. Now you want to take Benjamin. Everything happens to me. Then Reuben said to his father, you can kill my two sons if I don't bring him back to you. Put him in my care and I will bring him to you. But Jacob answered, my son will not go down for you, for his brother is dead and he alone is left. If anything happens to him on your journey, you will bring my gray hairs down to Sheol, the realm of the dead, in sorrow. I mentioned earlier about the dreams and how God speaks. And one reason God speaks through his spirit to us is to bring us to the place of conviction and repentance. And that's what's happening in these chapters. When Joseph saw his brother, when he heard what they said, and one of our brothers is dead, our youngest brother's home, and one is dead. Well, Joseph and Benjamin were very close. Benjamin was the youngest brother, and was Joseph's brother by Rachel. So they were very close. Joseph wanted to see Benjamin. So he's putting the brothers to the test. And when the brothers start to talk to each other in their language, Joseph could understand it. But, <laughs> you know, he turned away and wept because he realized that they knew what they had done was wrong. God's at work in all of this. He's very patient. He's faithful. God will do whatever it takes to bring us to the place where all our excuses have come to nothing. He will do whatever it takes to break us down and bring us to repentance. And this, as hard and painful as it is, it is the goodness of God. This is a severe mercy of God to bring the brothers to the place where they will fully admit what they did was wrong and get right with God once and for all. So we're going to come to an amazing turning point in the story tomorrow. Come on back. Don't miss it. Fantastic. God bless you folks. Go out and have a great day. See you back here tomorrow morning. God bless.